Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of It's Not All Rainbows. I'm your host, Lindsay Goodman. I'm a certified trauma recovery coach, and I'm also a survivor of abuse in a queer relationship. Today, I'm going to talk to you about reverse hoovering, which is something that I mentioned talking about a couple of episodes ago, so I'm going to go ahead and knock this one out today, Um, but before we begin, I will go ahead and do my struggles and successes. Um, Today's going to be another one where the struggle is also the success. So I started with a new coach. Um, As I mentioned, I'm a certified trauma recovery coach, and I'm very lucky to be able to be in a barter circle where we kind of get assigned a coach, um, and a client. Um, and we do several sessions together and we do it for trade. Um, and we just changed. We're in like the second session of it. So we switched. I have a new client and I have a new coach and I'm on week three with my coach. And basically we start off getting like an intake of our history and things like that. And we've been working through my history. And today he was like, all right, let's get into, uh, your trauma history. And I said, you know what, I'm going to tell you the things that I don't really tell people. Um, When I tell my story, I typically talk about my abuser, um, who is the one that I mainly share about when I'm on here in terms of my experience. Um, And then I tell maybe one other thing. And this time I was like, you know, I'm going to tell you all of it. And so I started from like little and of course they're bullet points. Um, But we worked through those things and he asked me some questions and I bawled my eyes out about something that happened when I was 18. And I know a lot of us are like really hesitant to go to therapy or coaching or anything like that because we're not ready or we're scared to dig into those things. But y'all, I've been holding on to those things since I was like 18 or, you know, things when I was 23 and it feels so good. Like, I don't know if you can tell, maybe I always look like this. I'm very tired today. My eyes are like, "Mm." um, cause I cried. I like bawled. I was like, sorry, dude, you're going to roll with me on this one because I'm just going to let this cry happen because I needed it. Um, so yeah, definitely a struggle and a success because it is very hard to one, be able to trust, um, mental health care providers, therapists, coaches, all of that stuff. And I completely understand that. Um, and it's hard to dig through some of those things that we've worked so hard to bury. Um, but it is very important to do that when we're ready and we're safe and we're comfortable. And so that's definitely a success for me. Um, and I look forward to my next meeting with him. I really am probably going to hire him if he is willing to do so after we finish with our barter, because I'm going to be like, no. And that's another success is that he's a man, a man. Um, more often than not, I prefer to have providers across the board who are women, um, or I would be fine with a transgender non-binary provider as well. Um, but to be able to work with a cisgendered straight man is very hard for me. And um, so this is a really good, really good thing for me. I'm excited about it. Um, so yeah, let's talk about reverse hoovering. Reverse hoovering is a tough one because it's very hard to spot. Um, it's It can be, I mean, it's really confusing. And in fact, I only learned about it and am able to talk about it because I asked a narcissist about it. I asked Mr. Lee Hammock at Mental Healness um, when I met with him. 
um, when I first left, I used his a lot of his content to help understand what was really going on, actually, even before I left. Um, and I've told him before, like many people, that he definitely helped to get me out of that situation in terms of education and validation. Um, and several times, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, I was like, I need to schedule an appointment with him. I just need to ask him like a couple of questions. And I was hesitant. And then I did. And I just asked a couple of questions in terms of like, why would someone do this? Because I hadn't heard him talk about that situation before or whatever. Um, and he would explain to me like what could have been happening. Of course, he is his own narcissist and, um, you know, abusive people, whether they're narcissists or psychopaths or sociopaths or whatever else they have going on, um, because not all abusive people are narcissists. Um, you know, they're not the same. They don't have the same brain. But I have found just from talking to him that his brain is very similar to how my abusers works. And so he explained to me about reverse hoovering. Um, and so essentially what can happen is, you know, I've made some content about hoovering and what it can look like. I've made, you know, TikToks and reels. And I, I you know, a couple of weeks ago, I did a whole episode about hoovering. Um, let me see what that one was called, just so you can look back at that. Um, and I do plan on doing another episode because I did, okay, it's called Hoovering Examples from My Screenshots, where I actually read screenshot, screenshots of them trying to hoover me back into our home or just into my where I was staying or just to get me to forget what was really going on and things like that. And that whole entire episode is about what I would call like nice hoovering, where they're kind to you, they're reaching out, they seem genuine, they seem caring, they want to help you, all of that stuff. Um, and I would like to do a whole episode about like mean hoovering, like vicious hoovering, threatening you, doing things like that, um, scaring you, all of that stuff. That's also hoovering. Um, and that's one of the things is that hoovering can look different for everyone. It can look different from, you know, at two o'clock PM when they message you and 201 or 205, it's a different hoovering tactic and it looks totally different, but it's all hoovering. Um, and with reverse hoovering, what they do is absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. They disappear. They might block you. They might delete from their social media, but not block you so that you can still see them, but you're like, oh my gosh, they unfollowed me or whatever. Um, you know, they might have been talking to you, talking to you, talking to you, and then all of a sudden they go, you know, radio silence. Um, if you are still around them, you know, maybe they come over every day after work and they stop coming over with no explanation. They're essentially just like ghosting you. Um, and this can be done to flip the switch so instead of them reaching out to you saying, hey, can I come over? Can I bring you some food? Or you better get over here. I'm going to throw your stuff out into the yard and I'm going to dump your dog's ashes or whatever. I'm going to harm you. I'm going to harm you this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to ruin your life. Or, hey, I'm really lonely and sad. I don't have any friends. Can you come over? I just really want, I'm vulnerable right now. And I know, like, I trust you. You're the only person I trust. Like, all of that. Now, instead, they're doing nothing so that you will do those things. So that you will break down and reach out to them first. You'll break down and be like, you know, I haven't heard from this person in days. I'm really worried. I hope they're okay. Or like, why aren't they messaging me? Are they seeing someone else? Your brain is going crazy. Your brain is now doing the abuse for them. They don't have to do anything. And the hope is that you'll then show up. You'll come back home. Or again, you'll just call or text and you'll be right back into it. Which in my last episode, I actually talked about an instance um, where I was doing good. I wasn't moved out. I wasn't no contact, but I was with a friend hadn't heard from them for 12 hours and they were waiting for me to reach out first. And I did. Um, but 
that was one of the questions that I had for Lee was, you know, like what's going on here and what, you know, what could this mean? And he said, oh, they're trying to reverse Hoover you. If you, if you go so long without talking to them, but of course they're not blocked or whatever, they still have access to you. They're waiting for you to do that first, because then if you do it, um, and Lee has said this, um, he creates a lot of podcasts and a lot of content. So unfortunately I can't tell you exactly where he said it. Um, someone asked me the other day for a specific kind of content from him. It was like, can narcissists change? And I was really scrolling, which good for him. It's awesome content. Um, but he says something about how, like, you know, if they are able to reverse Hoover you, or even if it's not a reverse Hoover, but they can suck you back into whatever they had going on. A lot of times they feel entitled to then do even worse to you because you're the dummy who came back when they weren't even trying to get you back, quote unquote. They were just sitting there minding their own business and you came back on your own. So you're the dummy. You're not dumb. But that's what they're thinking. Like this dumb, dumb, they came back. Now I can just do whatever I want because they came back to me. Free pass to do whatever because... They're going to come back and complain about my behavior, but they knew what they were coming back to. They left, they came back. And a lot of times the abuse will then escalate because if you leave and come back, it just continues to get worse from there. One of the things that I experienced with reverse hoovering when I was with them, and there was a stark difference between these two behaviors that I did not realize until after I was out, until after I learned about reverse hoovering, I always wondered why their behavior had changed in terms of how they treated me when I left. Because as you know, I know that to some, probably not the people who are listening to my podcast, but when I say I left nine times, I look like an idiot, right? But when you're in a trauma bond, when you've been there, you're, you're just nodding your head. Yes. Like, yep, I left 12 times or yep. I left seven times or whatever that looks like for you. It was in the beginning when I would leave or say that I was done or that I wanted to break up with them, they would I'm going to give a trigger warning because we're going to describe some physical abuse here. They would tackle me. They would block me from leaving. They would prevent me from getting to my son who would either be in the car or in the house waiting for me to come back. And we're talking, you know, a year and a half old. They would keep me from him. That's physical abuse. These are all, this is they're all come, like on listed as physical abuse. Um, so they would panic. They would yell. They would cry. They would just tantrum to get me to not leave. And it worked. Um, it worked for a while. And then all of a sudden there was a switch. There was a progress, you know, in our relationship, we got to the point where they knew that they didn't have to do that anymore. That if I said I was going to leave, I would not leave. And if I left that I would come back and they didn't have to do those things anymore. They knew that I had been abused to a point that I was in a trauma bond and I was in cognitive dissonance, even though they don't know those words or they didn't know those words. Maybe they do now. I don't know. They didn't have the words to say it, but they knew that I was hooked, that I was trapped, that I wasn't going to leave them. Um, so that no matter what they did, they could do it and I would come back. And that's a reverse Hoover. So I can recall several times. One night I got in my car and I just drove and sat by the water for a while and my son wasn't home. And I was like, okay, well, I am very tired. I guess I'll go back to sleep. But during the times that I was in my car, I was like, are they going to call me? Are they going to come look for me? Do they even care about me? And so you're, again, your brain, you're doing the abuse for them. You're like, man, they must not care about me if they didn't come. I guess I'll go back home. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll argue with me some more. And I'm not saying that we want the argument, but when you're in these kinds of relationships, before you start to realize how yucky it is and what's really going on, the argument is better than them letting you leave and not wanting you to come back home or not being concerned. Like, where are you? Are you safe? Like I can tell you right now, 
I've talked about my relationship with my ex-husband before, who I call my son's dad. I don't call him my ex-husband usually. Um, had I stormed off, he would be concerned about me. He would want to know where I was. He would want me to at least text him and tell him where I was at. And he would wait for me to come back home. Like he wouldn't just go to sleep and be like, I don't care. I would know that I was still cared for, right? And so with this person, that's what they would do is just, again, go radio silent until I, my brain spiraled so much or I was like, well, I don't have anywhere else to go. And I would go back. So I was reverse hoovered there. Another example of that is one night I, we were in a huge fight and this was a physical fight where they were preventing me from leaving. And I somehow scrambled out the sliding back door and ran barefoot out the back fence because they wouldn't let me out the front door and they wouldn't let me have my keys and they wouldn't let me to my car. So I went out the back door and I walked barefoot to my son's dad's house, which is, I don't know, maybe half a mile away. I don't know how far it is. It's, it's walkable. And I had a key to his house. And it was the middle of the night, so I just silently let myself in. Or maybe I went, I think I went in through the garage. And he didn't wake up. And I made myself a little nest on the couch, got a pillow and like a little blanket. And I was like, okay, this is going to be weird when he wakes up. And when the kiddo wakes up and they're like, what are you doing here? I'm like laying there and I can't sleep. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, well, I haven't heard from my abuser. They don't know where I'm at to this day. Like, I mean, not that I would tell them. They don't know that I went to my son's dad's house. Um, if I had to be honest with you, I believe that if, had I gone home and they knew that I was with him, that they probably would have harmed me terribly in whatever way sustained ongoing, um, either physically harmed me or just brutally psychology, psychologically harmed me or, you know, in the moment that I was walking to his house, I was done. I wasn't going to go back. I was going to ask for him, for him to help me to get myself and my son out. But then the reverse Hoover and the trauma bond took over and I convinced myself that I was overreacting, that I was crazy, that I didn't have anywhere to go, even though I was somewhere where he would have helped me. He would have gone and helped me get my clothes, helped me keep myself and my son safe. He would have helped me. But instead, I walked barefoot back to our house and went back and got in bed where they were. I don't exactly remember. They were probably sleeping or they were probably up watching a movie. But my guess is that they went to sleep to again show me that it didn't matter where I was, whether or not I came home. They didn't care. It didn't matter. So that reverse Hoover is a very powerful tool because, again, you're getting in that mental spiral of convincing yourself, like self-gaslighting because they've been gaslighting you all along and because you're in a trauma bond. Well, how am I going to make it on my own? Where am I going to go? Realistically, I can't just live with my ex-husband, which if you're new here and you don't know, I do live with my ex-husband. We have lived together for a year after I was with my abuser for two and a half years because it saves us money, because it's easier for my son. We each have our own space. We take turns doing all of our things. It's been working. Is it forever? No, but absolutely. You can live with your family for a little bit. You can live with a sibling, with a friend. You can... I mean, obviously finances can be a huge issue for a lot of us in these relationships and that's 100% a real thing, but a lot of times we get in our own heads and put up our own roadblocks and or our abusers are building those blocks for us, right? You can't live with him. You guys broke up. You broke up for a reason. You're not going to get along. You're not going to this. You're not going to that. And guess what? 98% of the time we get along just fine. And when we don't get along, we figure out how to make it. We figure out how to work through those problems, right? So... They reverse hoovered me back home. And those are the two main events during the relationship that I specifically remember leaving and then gaslighting myself and going back home. They don't have to abuse you at that point. They don't have to do any work. 
They don't have to threaten you to come home. They don't have to do anything because they know that you're coming back or they are pretty convinced that you're coming back. When I finally left, that's when we start to see, um, and, and uh, I'm going to write it down right now to do a, uh, like a, a narcissistic collapse. Um, and I have talked about this, um, and post-separation abuse, um, where things can escalate horribly when you actually do try to leave and they see that you actually are leaving and they're losing their control over you. Um, and that's when I saw a lot of the, um, I saw some reverse hoovering. I saw, um, some mean hoovering and I saw some nice hoovering. So they were cycling through all three of those tactics, trying to get me to come back home. And by that point it wasn't happening. I called in the big guns, which is my mama who really isn't, how do I say this? I don't think my mom will ever hear this, but she's not there for me in a really solid way in most of my life. If I call her and I need her, she's there, but she's really just, she's always just been like, you know, I respect your space. You can come to me and I'm here versus like, I got you. Do you need anything? She's just so quiet, like living her life, you know, where she is and stuff like that. But when you call, obviously some of us have abusive moms, but when I called my mom and I needed her, that was the big guns. Cause she's the one who was like, get your kid home, buckle on my ticket. We're getting you out of here right now. Obviously no one was able to come and help me get out of there. Uh, but, you know, by that point, none of the hoovering tactics were going to work for them. So, you know, part of why, obviously, you know, if you have followed me for any amount of time on any of my, you know, platforms on social media, or if you've been listening to the podcast, the reason why I share these things is because I want to help arm you with the tools and the knowledge of what these tactics look like, why they're doing it. Because a lot of times understanding the why helps us to be able to accept it and move on we don't understand why and we don't treat people that way, it's very hard to heal and move on because we're just constantly stuck in this state of what the hell was that? So I hope that this helps you to understand what reverse hoovering is and what it looks like. Um, it's pretty simple. Again, they just ignore you and they wait. And they're probably assuming, I mean, they are assuming that you're going to come back and, and they don't even have to do the work. They do not have to cast the net because you're going to cast it for them. You're going to catch yourself in a net and deliver yourself to them. So that's all for now. Um, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I want to remind you that again, I am a trauma recovery coach. I am certified through the uh, International Association for Trauma Recovery Coaching. I'm very proud to have gone through that program. And you know, I did that program because I didn't have what I needed when I was trying to get away from my abuser. Um, there were a couple people on social media, like again, Lee Hammock and Lisa Sunny from Stronger Than Before, who their content really helped me. Um, and I do believe that, you know, coaching through either one of them would have been really helpful, but I wanted to become what I needed when I was trying to leave. And so that's what I want to offer to all of you. That's why I'm here. That's why I make, you know, most of my content for free. Um, but I do want to be able to help you. I don't want you to have to go through this on your own. And I don't want you to continue to be stuck where you are stuck because I know that feeling and it's very hard and it's very lonely. Um, and so I want to be here to support you. So if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can book 30 minutes or 60 minute sessions with me. I also just um, set up a six week package for those of you who are ready and you want to work through that. Um, I have sort of like a structure for that one. So we'll cover like certain topics during those six weeks with the goal of getting you out and getting you on your way to healing and never looking back. Of course, it's going to look a little different for each person, but I'm really excited to roll that out this, well, last week. I did mention this last week. 
Um, and then I also am just starting a text or email support option for those who have already worked with me. Um, you don't have to work with me forever to be able to get that option, but I do want to at least meet with you and kind of talk to you a little bit about your situation before I offer text support, because often through text and email, um, if I don't know anything about you, it's very hard for me to feel like I can properly coach you through that. This is more of like an ongoing support and check-in type thing for those who maybe still live with their abuser or maybe aren't able to do face-to-face -face meetings as often as they would like to. So those are some options. You can go to my website, thelindsaygoodman.com to book those. I also have a monthly support group. It's one Saturday a month for the LGBTQ community, for survivors of abuse and queer relationships. Um, or simply queer survivors of abuse. Maybe you're queer and your parents have abused you in some way or a friend or however that looks like. If you're queer and you're in this space and you feel like there's not much out there in terms of seeing you for who you are and working through this with you in like a supportive, like loving place for you, that's what Trey and I wanna offer because again, we didn't feel like we had that when we were going through what you're going through right now. So you can find that information again. Um, the links are in my bio as well, all of my bios, as well as on Trey's. It's Trey de la Torre, uh, if I didn't already say that. Um, so yeah, the group's called Polishing Off the Rainbow, which I love because it kind of plays off of my podcast name. It's not all rainbows. So those are the things that I have going on. And I, um, I just want to say I'm really thankful for all of you for being here, for hanging out today. I hope this episode was helpful. If you like this podcast or if you're on YouTube, please rate, review, subscribe. Um, it does help to get this into the ears of the people who need it the most. And I also really appreciate your reviews. I always read them. Um, get really excited when I have a new one. And uh, that's all for today. Please do something nice for yourself and don't forget to drink some water. I'll see you all next week.